Now, if you do your bit to save water, you'll be intrigued by how much water is used in the oil industry. We talk to the inventors of a technology to help industry recycle huge amounts of water and save a major environmental problem. Did you know that an oil well is actually a water well? You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. Roger, tell us who you met in Cambridge this week. I met Matt Bruff of Atelia, who are based in Denver. You know, when you hear about our need to save water and not use hose pipes and stuff like that, we might forget that some industries are major users of water and their activities add all sorts of noxious materials to it. Matt Bruff's company have remarkable technology for recycling water. I asked him what industries call upon his services. The industry we're in is basically um, the oil and gas industry where we have a, a newly patented technology a water desalinization technology that we're applying into that industry to clean up the dirty water that comes out of the ground with oil and gas exploration. Now, one of the things I noticed on your um, website was that you deal with the waste of fracking, which is this kind of new process which we're just experimenting with over here in Lancashire. That involves uh, a lot of water, does it not? Absolutely. When we started the company back in 2004, there wasn't really a lot of fracking back in the United States. It's a relatively recent uh, practice where they uh, inject huge amounts of water into the ground under great pressure to basically crack these uh, tight gas seams in these shale basins, including in that frack water is some sand or oftentimes a polymer, uh, which will actually stick into the little cracks and allow the natural gas to keep flowing. These large horizontal wells that are being developed in the United States and now being, you know, for lack of a better word, exported to different areas of the uh, the world, will use anywhere from three to uh, six million gallons of water per frack job. What's in this water that comes out of it? Yep. So it's actually kind of a proprietary blend. The manufacturers. Uh, don't really publish exactly what's in there. So the United States has had um, a lot of different uh, studies the last year and a half. Basically, the chemicals that are, are used help with the uh, friction reducers, some of the, uh, the biologicals, and various chemicals get pumped into the ground. And then when it returns back to the surface um, as frac flowback water, it'll basically have um, additional uh, constituents that come from the ground, whether that's uh, chloride, some sulfates, Basically, your, your, your total dissolved solids, your suspended solids, and there might be some metals or some uh, uh, naturally occurring radioactive materials that come back um, once it's uh, been down there in the earth. What would have happened in the past when someone had a process like that? Yep, so historically, the um, oil and gas wells, often people don't know they're actually just water wells that also produce valuable hydrocarbons or natural gas. So having said that, the, the water that comes up with that natural gas and oil exploration is often called production water. That's historically been transported off-site and they put into uh, uh, put them into large evaporation ponds and or re-inject them back under the ground and what uh, uh, in the United States is termed as an underground injection control program. And basically they're just returning the dirty water to where it came from. And, and presumably they hope that 
it would have diluted out? I mean, do, do they sort of leach it into rivers and things like that? Yeah, so then exactly. So uh, there's a new basin, um, relatively new, about the last three years there in the northeastern United States called the Marcellus Shale Basin. And with this new development, they've started doing a lot of fracking there the last three years. Um, when they first arrived and they were developing that uh, large shale basin, the regulators allowed the water to be diluted and placed back into the surface waters of the states mm-hmm. via a sewage treatment facility. And the way they would do that is that the sewage treatment facility obviously has water quality requirements, but they basically have such huge volumes that the frac water could be slipstreamed into it and basically diluted um, and still meet the water quality requirements. Your company has invented some technology which makes that water better. Exactly. So, you know, it's been interesting uh, a journey here the last six years. We like to think that we saw some of the fracking and some of these uh, tightening regulations uh, on the horizon, but we hadn't. It was an interesting development, and our original goal was to provide an alternative solution that would actually help um, reduce the freshwater demands in a lot of these uh, basins, all the while trying to find a beneficial use for some of this recycled water. So uh, there's been a lot of regulatory changes here the last year, driven by uh, the EPA in various states where they're saying no longer can you put that back into the stream, you actually need to treat it so that the uh, total dissolved solids are no greater than 500 parts per million. So basically the states are saying if you can treat that to drinking water standards, yes, and you can return them back into the streams. Otherwise, uh, we're no longer going to allow the discharge of that. So that's where we come in with our company. We have a recently patented uh, desalinization technology that we're able to uh, apply at a cost that is lower than having to truck that away to a commercial uh, reinjection facility or a large evaporation site. So normal desalination, as I understand it, uses the power of the sun or massive amounts of energy to power it. How, how are you addressing that? This, uh, the technology was originally developed by a professor out in a western state university there in the United States. Uh, we since uh, licensed it and further developed it and added additional patents. And basically, the, the main platform is a thermal distillation platform. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's not new. The Egyptians have been doing that for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The knock, if you will, is that it uses too much energy, as you said, Roger, though it, it will produce the gold standard of water quality because you're basically evaporating it, recapturing that clean steam, and recondensing it out as pure distilled water. So we've been able to say, well, let's try to figure out how to reduce that energy by reusing the energy multiple times. Now, that obviously is not new. That's been around for 40 years through various other technologies like multi-stage flash, mechanical vapor compression, who all reuse the energy. And frankly, it's very, very prevalent um, in many parts of the world for large desalinization uh, projects. How could you save energy on that? The the technology uh, basically mimics Mother Nature, wherein it's very simple, elegant, Um, And as we know, Mother Nature um, is a perfect uh, uh, desalinator of water. So you have uh, the oceans that are providing all of this rainwater throughout the world. But interestingly, they're not boiling the ocean. Mother Nature simply evaporates the water out of the ocean, which is extremely uh, uh, high in salinity, 35,000 milligrams per liter on average. That becomes a, a, a nice rain cloud that as it moves over, for example, from the Pacific to, let's say, the western United States, hit a cooler temperature, 
and then can't hold on to that water and therefore releases it as pure rain. We've coined our technology uh, Altello Rain because we're doing the exact same thing but within a small distillation tower. It's about 14 feet tall. Each one does about 3,000 gallons per day. We normally link up 12 and create a module so that each module, which is basically delivered via one semi-truck, um, does about 31,000 gallons per day. And how good is the, is the water compared to the water going into it? With any um, desalinization technology, normally the um, uh, with the thermal platforms, you're going to have incredibly clean water because you're obviously just boiling and recapturing um, the, the clean distilled water. So if the technology is working, be it our technology or any other evaporative technology, you will be creating extremely clean distilled water. Historically, the volumes, though, have been less, though the, the water quality can be incredibly challenged. So our technology, unlike reverse osmosis or some of the other um, uh, electronic or chemical desalinization methods that can really only desalinate up to oh, anywhere from 10 to 12,000 uh, parts per million TDS. That becomes the kind of the physical limitation of them. Mm-hmm. We can go well, well past that, almost nearly to the point of saturation, which becomes the, the, the physical limit. It may not be economical, but we can certainly take the dirtiest water and basically desalinate it, create distilled water, but obviously we're going to do lower volumes than a reverse osmosis, which can do incredibly high volumes of relatively uh, low-challenged water. Well, thank you very much, Matt. That's excellent. I really wish you every success with your visit here and what you're doing. And we actually have Matt in our studio today, and it looks like he brought us some more marshmallows. Thanks, Matt. And I have another question for you. Does this distillation technology reduce the radioactivity of fracking water? Because there was a recent study by the Times that showed that the majority of wells have up to a 1,000 times higher radioactive elements than allowed by the federal standard for drinking water. It's a great question, Chris, and uh, thank you very much for allowing me to be here in the studio today. The radio, uh, radionuclides, whether it's a radium-226 or 228, um, is certainly been getting a lot of uh, attention in the United States. They're reviewing a lot of the regulatory requirements now. It's, frankly, a heavy element similar to a metal. So with respect to the, uh, the thermal desalinization process, those heavy elements will be left behind, similar to um, the, the metals. When we've done a lot of testing over the last six years, we have come out to be um, you know, nearly non-detect. The regulatory limit in the states currently is five picocuries per liter, and we are well below uh, one on our test. That's great to hear, Matt. Thanks so much. And after this- That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Chris Crease. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. <laughs>